What what is your kit and where is it flying to? I'm not a hipster. You just got an onion on your belt. And welcome back to another episode of Refactor, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck a little less every day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 028, recorded on June 11th, 2021. So you actually stepped all over our intro there. Real professional outfit this is. Well, I wasn't going to say anything. You could have just clipped it from the- No, I got to make fun uh, of you for it. And I'm still going to, I'm going to clip it. I mean, I will clip it. I will clip it because I mean, I don't want anything on top of our glorious- all, you know, our glorious right. audio. You're gonna clean intro, it up, but I'm going to make fun you of you. Jump the gun. Oh, you're, I jumped the gun. You got to clean it up, and oh. now you're taking oh, no. it out. Of I, clicked- I got you. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. You know what the problem is here? It's, a, it's the, the problem. It's a it's a miscommunication. It's a failure to see eye to eye on mm. the issue, and I that brings me Do around tell. to observability. <laughs> and I wonder. Well done. I, I wonder, because um, I know you have played with in the past uh, Splunk and Datadog and things like this. I, have you mm-hmm. been, um, and I think those are basically like, you know, Elk or Prometheus as a service kind of a thing. Um, have mm-hmm. you played in this space recently? Like you're like hands-on? Uh, I have not been deep hands-on recently. I have been around it. I have a lot of engineers in it. I, ha- I talk to a lot of clients about it. So okay. I am basically everything except super nitty gritty hands on with them. But I have played with them in the past and I've done a lot of my own. Let me, let me put it this way. The last time I was really deep into these kinds of things, a lot of these tools didn't exist. And so I was building a lot of this stuff myself. And so I know a lot of the uh, requirements around them. Yeah so to speak. But what was your... Oh, oh my gosh. You know what just came to mind? Nagios. Nagios. <laughs> oh. Like it was, it was still a thing. the thing. Still it a thing. the thing. <laughs> but oh, painful. It's amazing how many vendors sprouted up around that and their advertisement was use us instead of Nagios. That was the, yeah. that was the entire sales pitch was, you know, Widget Corp. We're not Nagios. Yeah, that was the ad, that was that was it. That was the banner ad. They had they had a you know they had an eighty by six hundred, and we're we we're not Nagios. That was the headline. Um, <laughs> so so no, yes, I'm familiar with, with this stuff. You've been playing with it. Yeah. Lately. So okay, I've got cool. I've got a um I've got a heterogeneous environment. Um, there's a mix of Windows and Linux, and um, I you know I I got to observe it. And so we've already got a lot of kit in flight and we still feel like, you know, there's this progression where at the, at the, at the lowest level, you're talking about like system monitoring, right? And so you're doing CPU and disk and IOPS and memory and network bytes in and out and I that mean, kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can start as that. Okay. So hold on. First of all, I'm going to back you up. Kit in flight. What, what is this hipster talk? Kit in flight. What is what is uh, no, what, a, what is your kit and where is it flying to? I'm not a hipster. You just got an onion on your belt. Come on. Um, <laughs> so, 
so things uh so nagios does this solar winds does like there's a bunch of different products that that observe the, the infrastructure level. Oh, there's tons of, them. Um, tons of them just like raw resources and packets that's what you're talking about there mm-hmm. um and then you move a step up the ladder and and there's a lot of our, a lot of variety here new relic and app dynamics and you know there's a hajillion other competitors that do mm-hmm. kind of the application performance monitoring so now you're talking about into you know you're not talking about CPU and disk. You're talking about processes and connections, and there's sort of a higher level. Um, and there's a massive the gray tools. area. It's a massive gray yeah. area between where the, the server the good, ends and the and the services a lot of the good, begin. A lot of the good APMs will give you observability into the database. So they can say, like, yeah. look, we know this query was run, and here's how long it took, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there is a ton of overlap because you can usually get at least the basic. CPU memory disk utilization, like a good APM tool will give you that out of the box. Right. Um, and so there's overlap as you as you move up to that middle layer. Um, and I've been thinking a lot recently about moving a step higher into like business transaction monitoring. Oh yeah. So consuming application, you know, consuming application level, I'll say signals, uh, that could be a metric or it could be a log. And then transforming that into valuable intelligence, like mm-hmm. uh, here's your, you know, uh, here's your card abandonment, or here's your total order volume for the day, or here are your new user signups, you know, stuff that so oh, that yeah. business transaction monitoring is that layer on top. And unlike the other two, like what you really need there is log aggregation. I think in order to get that, you know, you can have your, you know, you can have your systems emit like numeric signals for a lot of that. Um, but it's not easy. It's not fun to try to get arbitrary application signals out in a in a sane way, in a pretty way into like the APM tools. They really they're looking for stack traces and they're looking for exceptions and they're looking for, uh, you know, like trans- transactions per second kind of throughput numbers. Mm-hmm. They're really useful. They they don't. And there's a little bit of overlap because like they can ingest logs. But really at that top layer, that's where I'm focusing. And it caused me to uh, it caused me to look at at kind of the state of the art. Um, And I had this initial decision point between the uh, the Elastico tooling and then the like Prometheus ethosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as I can tell, like Elk is Elk is is designed and meant for logging, log mm-hmm. aggregation, mm-hmm. and then you can add, you can do metrics processing too. But it's an afterthought. They're growing the capability. It's not, you know, it's better than it was a couple of years ago, but it's still meant for logging. And then on the Prometheus side of the world, it's great for metrics, but you can do logging. But it's kind of an afterthought. Along comes, uh, and this is actually timely because two days ago loki came out the first episode of loki the tv series Mm -hmm. there's a there's a grafana project called loki which is the log aggregator for the prometheus ecosystem Mm -hmm. um and so like it's just amazing when i think about you know say 10 or 15 years ago deploying nagios and it was like all right uh it's let's see it's june 11th today so I'll see you by the end of July and I might have some basic <laughs> Nagio stuff set. Like it was, you know, it took 
here yeah. i'm like docker compose oh give me this oh and by the way let me integrate uh the open telemetry the newer open telemetry sdks mm-hmm. into my applications and then boom jaeger's up and running and i'm getting mm-hmm. dynamic tracing mm-hmm. into that and i got grafana's pulling in from prometheus and loki and alert managers running over here and all this stuff and it just I deploy it and boom and it's and and i'm i'm going so fast I, it 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 was a weird experience because I like I'm consciously saying okay I want to set up the components I have the coarse grain architecture in my head mm-hmm. I'm going to set up each component I'm going to make sure it can send the data where it needs to go and then I'm going to ignore whether that data is configured correctly whether it's tagged or labeled correctly I'm going to ignore the frequency and the polling interval on all of that I'm just going to make sure that these two things connect and data moves and then I'm going to move on. Now I'm at a point where I'm just about done and I get to go back and say, great, everything is going back to the mothership, you know, this, this mm-hmm. reliability data warehouse. Mm-hmm. And now I get to play with, okay, how do I want to design the dashboard and right. where should this pull from? And I'm just, I'm just having so much fun, man. But it is, it is a lot. They, these tools are a lot of fun uh, because they are, uh, it's super useful. It's immediately it's immediately useful and fun when you when you connect the yeah. dots. There are a lot of applications for it. You've got reporting, you have active monitoring, and you've got real time response. And so you, you're this these reports tie into things like mean time to recovery, and then you can actually use the same reporting engine that reported the things initially to actually track your mean time to reporting. And so you get this very this very good feeling Mobius strip of 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 good feels that well, and because and because the because of the because the way it's all structured like the alerting is based off of rules in the patterns of the data mm-hmm. well again the goal here is not to reinvent infrastructure monitoring although guess what i'm getting just as many signals in as i am with the infrastructure monitoring stuff right. that we have deployed right. the goal is not apm but i'm getting some of the same signals that the apm tool covers yeah. my goal is like can I obviate both of those two layers with this one central warehouse and just consolidate? Like you're talking, it's funny because uh, enterprise types love to talk single pane of glass. Yeah, right? I love that term. Uh, love that the business term. type loves single pane of glass and it never works. It never gets fully rolled out. It never integrates with everything cleanly. There's always an asterisk. And I'm staring at this thing and I'm thinking, my God, like, this can be the single pane of glass for all of this observability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm thinking about the opportunities for, like you were saying, alerting on business transaction level. Oh yeah. Information. Oh yeah. So, so, Hey, uh, card abandonment is up 10% each day over the last three days or like those sorts yep. of things you really start to tick. Cause then I can next, now I can get the marketing team interested in this. And, and when I want to show it to them, it looks good. Which yeah. Nagios I mean, never you are, did. You are, you, are, you are talking about all the reasons why this space, logging, monitoring, and reporting up. is blowing up. Is the, blowing prob- up. the challenge space has shifted though. So before it was getting that, that cumbersome cudgel Nagios to do anything for you and, and, get, and configuring it and making it behave. Now, the tools behave. There are tons of tools. There's tons of reporting. The problem now is signal to noise ratio. The mm-hmm. challenge in all of these setups is what are the important things to focus on? Yeah. And surfacing. If I can be if I can be a marketing deck for a second, surfacing 
the relevant insights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I just threw I, up my, I, I threw up in my mouth a little bit there. That was I did it. That was awful. That was awful. But yes, hey, not, I mean, you're, I'm not shaming you for drinking before five. That's fine. Ugh, ugh. you're not wrong. You're not wrong that that's <laughs> that that's the case. But the challenge now is 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 actually sifting through that. And what what I what a lot of organizations run into, especially when they're using super robust tools like Splunk for the reporting where they have all, literally all the bells and knobs are yeah. available for you to turn and twist. Uh, they have trouble honing in on what's actually important information and what stuff is actually junk. That's I've got the, all the information in the world. Now what? And the parallel it, is to exactly. like any of us opening up Google. <laughs> I yeah. have access to literally everything. Now what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> and you have to you have to make it useful. Well, useful to who? Useful yeah. to to when? About what? I mean, there there are so yeah. many variables, and so you have to tackle this. Getting the tools now, setting up the tools is super duper easy. Understanding the problem that you're trying to solve, or the information you're trying to present to the person whose problem you're trying to solve, yeah. that's the really challenging part, and it's hard for you and external person can't do it on their own. So when we when we do engagements that involve things like Splunk and Prometheus and, and all that kind of reporting, we are dependent on somebody in-house having the internal knowledge of this is the thing that we're worried about. This is the thing yeah. we want to track. And then we help them hone in through the data. But you need you need that guide. You 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 need your Sherpa to to yeah. to to yeah. to navigate this this just undulating mass of of numbers the other thing that happens too is obviously there's a data storage component to this and you can end up storing a crap ton of information which uh you've got so there are storage concerns not that big of a deal these days um but some no, but companies you do, need, you do need to pay attention to scaling because you do need to pay systems, attention to scaling yeah these systems will allow you to easily instrument hundreds or thousands of endpoints and you have to capacity plan. <laughs> you got to capacity plan capacity really well. Plan. But the other thing is, and that a, goes back to what you're talking about, right? So like while, while I'm, and I'm just having fun, uh, this is like, I'm just, I'm playing. It feels like well, setting it's a all Friday, this stuff So up. we can, it's fine. Um, we can have a fun conversation on Friday. Yeah, Are you doing cares? this? Is this a personal um, project or is this a work project that you're doing? No, no, this is, this is nine to five. So this I actually, I, okay. I played my, my foray into this particular ecosystem was maybe a year or two ago. I re I reconfigured my home server. Um, and there's actually a, a project on GitHub called, called DocProm, D-O-C-K-P-R-O-M. Uh, okay. I'll look at the show notes. Um, and DocProm is a, uh, it's a Docker Compose file that's pre-packaged with Grafana and Prometheus and Alert Manager and Node Exporter and C Advisor and all these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like you, you stand it up, you go to localhost 3000, and then they have default dashboards for, mm -hmm. all, for a lot of the stuff you'll care about just to get you started. Um, and that was sort of my first, my first foray. But no, this is this is nine. If now I'm taking that, I'm saying, yeah, I can see where this applies, and so we're going to roll it out over here. Um, and so there's kind of two parallel tracks. While I'm while I'm having fun setting all this stuff up because it is actually to the point where it's fun, I'm also saying, okay, to the business partners, what is it you care about? Mm -hmm. Because not only is that going to influence what I'm collecting on the other side, it also helps me limit the stuff that I don't need to collect 
and therefore cut down on some of the scaling challenges and and some of the cost of growing the system. When you just let's hoover up all the data, that sounds great, and then you exhaust a terabyte in three days of disk, and that's you got memory pressure on your node already. <laughs> You're not going to. That's not yeah, sustainable. That's the, that's the uh, a lot of people. I, I you know I hear about people establishing a data lake. That that term comes up a lot, and you you've just got you're just you're just gobbling up just mountains of information, and a lot of times that information you're gobbling up is just total noise, and you it, it actually makes sense to focus in on the information that's most important, and I I think um, <coughs> excuse me I think when you're constructing these things it it behooves you to actually limit filter what's coming into the system. As opposed to what's coming out, you would obviously do both. You know, when I'm building a report, I'm focused on certain elements, but you make your life easier if you whitelist incoming data because it allows you to focus in on what's important. It also tempers the growth of your of your data sets, and so they don't grow. You're not immediately drinking from a fire hose. The ingestion of new data is a, is a is a ramp it's a it's a it's a curve rather than you know a straight a straight upward spike in your in your in your uh your aws monthly aws data storage bill um and and then you're focused in on what you actually want to know and then when you have a question that you can't answer you go oh i need this other piece of information and then you attach that other piece of information and you do it in this very deliberate, organic fashion that is driven by your needs. And so then you're collecting. It's a way to, to avoid this a lot of noise in the in the data. You're, you're focused in on the most important thing to answer the question. And that allows you to put things together. Um, it's, it's much more deliberate, obviously, but I think that the benefits are there for 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 doing so um and well yeah you know I mean, you don't roll out a system like this and then just open the fire hose at all possible points and there are some good sane defaults especially in, in the, mm-hmm. the tools that i'm using there are some sane defaults sane defaults but, but even, for example even truncate but for further. example with 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 loki with the the log aggregation uh you can have it hoover up by default everything under var log oh everything yeah and why though i said no okay let me let me ingest var log secure and then, okay, now I have I have a, a, a paper trail of authentications into the system. Now mm-hmm. we're healthcare, we're regulated, we got a good security program. We got that information three different places I can think off the top of my head anyway. Like that's not, a, that's not something we need, but mm-hmm. I know it's not a lot of data coming in very fast and it's very predictable. And I, and then I can, and that's what I'm saying. Like I, I'm setting each little component up minimum vial does it send data where i need it to go and does it appear on the other end great now i'm going to move on to the next thing and after like a day i've got seven or eight or nine different components all talking Mm -hmm. together and being orchestrated and i'm working on the last one and then going back and saying okay great now for you know for loki or promtail is the the like the client version to the to loki server for Promtail, what log files do I actually want? Well, from these hosts that is going to be a part of the initial rollout, I actually want, I actually want, I don't care about the system logs at all. I want the Docker logs. So, okay, but those are by default, Docker daemon emits those in JSON. Okay. So, and it's just, you know, kind mm-hmm. of refinement process mm-hmm. um, Yeah, as I go back, but it's, it's fun stuff. And I looked at Datadog and Splunk and, and those guys, um, and I think that's a really... 
attractive turnkey, but that's what it is. It it's, really looks like you pay for the privilege, like you, more than you should. They're really you, getting some margin out of that. There, there's a lot of margin in those things. And yes, the beauty of those is turnkey. You don't worry about the uh, storage. Um, you're, you actually, uh, you don't even think about the log file at all. You think about the reports coming out of the log file. Well, and that's the value to me. Like, I don't, I don't, if I look at an arrangement like that, I, yeah, I, I know you're offloading the storage and compute and the memory. That's obvious part of the equation. And I know you're allowing me easy configuration to send you that data. Again, that's not the hard part. I don't care. What I care about is when you, and if you look at some of the demos, out of the box, they have dashboards that are pre-configured to show you the things that you're actually going to care about. Oh, yeah. Whereas yeah, if absolutely. I just go and do like Docker run Grafana, I'm a blank slate and I got to mm. go through and I got to build every you, widget I mean, on Grafana every dashboard. Grafana is board. a very powerful tool. It is If you've ever done anything yeah. with Data Studio, Google Data Studio, which is a, you know, a data I visualization. Data, I use Google uh, Data Studio for internal reports. It's really nice if you want to step up from... Um, if you're doing a bunch of reporting that that's in a sheet, a, a Google Excel or an Excel sheet, and you've got you're using those in built in charts, there's a lot of charting function that's built into those mm -hmm. that you can get. Mm -hmm. It gets you by. It's an easy way to get started on something. If you've got like a one off thing, it doesn't require a whole system. Yeah, it's a great way to put things together. Data Studio is an easy way to take that to the next level. You attach it to, say, a, an, a Google Sheet, and then it reads that data and you can build lots of pretty charts and you get your dashboards. And it's a really it's a really polished uh, display and you didn't have to put a lot of effort into it. So Grafana is Data Studio on steroids and you can do a crap ton of stuff with Grafana. Grafana is a really, really powerful tool. Um, but you've got to put in the time into putting it together yeah. and making it useful. Whereas if you do something that's prefab or you do a pre-configured, I know Grafana has an open source element, you do some of the open source things, or you do something like a data dog or a new relic, then it's giving you all that stuff automatically. And so there's there's a there's a do-it-yourself versus um versus turnkey. Um, you also got to think about your growth trajectory and what you're going to track. You know, it's very easy to to attach new services and, and whatnot to New Relic and Datadog. Um, it's a manual effort each time you add something new to the, um, you know, if you're doing it yourself. Uh, the other thing that I think uh, a lot of people discount is um, how... Um, I, I We tend to say all three in a, in a row, logging, monitoring, alerting, because all three sort of tie together. The monitoring is reading the logs, and then alerting is based on whatever thresholds we're finding inside of the inside the monitoring. And again, I like a very a, a slow, deliberate approach here pays dividends over time. It's easy to, you know, oh, this is really cool. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. Oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. And, and that's great. But you. If you go really slow and you focus in on something that actually requires end to end, OK, I need to alert these people in this order on this time frame when a server dies, you know, something very simple like that. And and you set so you attach all these pieces together, you've got your escalation levels for what needs to be alerted and who needs to be notified when and how email, text, phone, you know, phone call, automated phone call. You know, there's all these these um, alerting services that you can tie into. They all connect to the same tools that you're talking about.
And um, when you're doing that, the reason that I like starting there is again, you're focused on a very, it's a very defined problem space. And literally anyone can, anyone who's versed, you know, somebody in the IT or, you know, the DevOps team or development team or whatever probably has enough know-how to put the whole thing together. You just have to focus in on what the business need is and it allows you to stay focused and not go, um, cause it's very easy. Like you said, it's very easy to go Ooh, shiny. There's so much awesome stuff here. I can do so much awesome things. It allows you to focus in on something that is immediately quantifiably uh, a, a tangible benefit to the company. No, no. I want to deploy anything that looks good <laughs> and I want to turn it all on and I want to just have fun. That's my attitude here. That's so, my outlook. I think if there's a button, I'm going to push it. That's my general. No, but I and maybe it's the like uh, maybe it's the, the inner dad in me coming out again, but slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yeah, that's and exactly. I think there's a whole yes, lot of wisdom in I'm this. Saying. Say what is out of all of so we can deploy all the technology in the world. It doesn't matter if it doesn't help anybody. Right. The technology mm-hmm. serves the business, not the other way around. We're not just mm-hmm. here. We're not just here to push buttons because it's fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's a great example was the most important. What is the most important output of this overall? Um, and I'm calling it the, the, the SRE DW, right? Um, what is the overall most important output? Might be that an alert, an email is sent to the infrastructure manager if a server goes down for more than 30 seconds unresponsive. Okay, great. I have this vision in my head for deploying all of this neat tooling Mm -hmm. and that's really easy to do, but let me focus just slowly. Mm -hmm. Let me focus on making sure that the server uptime metrics are getting into the solution and that those are translated into signals that alert managers Mm going to see that's hooked Mm -hmm. up into Slack or PagerDuty or whatever else you have and that that's configured and that that's well. And then now we can think about moving on to the next thing. Maybe instead of the server down, maybe now we start looking for thresholds on memory or disk or cpu and you kind of build up um correct and that's kind of why i introduced it from from infrastructure to apm to btm Mm -hmm. at the top because that is the ultimate goal but you you can't i think this is one case where you really benefited from some overlap i always uh, i've lately i've been coming into this idea that i want everything to overlap a little like i want every person every role every system to overlap just a little because if it overlaps just a little bit, then I know there's no gap in between where we're going to miss something. Right. And I don't want it overlapping a ton because then that's a waste of everybody's time. So just a little bit of overlap. Um, no, but I think that's a I think that's a great point. It's it's um, I mean, and here I'm I'm speaking from from a lot of experience um, because you're um, a, a couple things are happening. You're getting yourself familiar with all of this fancy, fun, new stuff in a, in a controlled in a controlled fashion, you're showing immediate value because you obviously you want to solve a real problem. Okay, so focus in on a real problem, ideally that somebody other than yourself is having, <laughs> not your own problem, uh, your boss's problem or the finances yeah. team's problem. Somebody who's in a position to say this is good. Do more, where can we get more of it? Or uh, I saw I saw something online just earlier today. Uh, go solve a problem people don't see yet and repeat. Keep solving so, problems that nobody realizes they have yet. Hmm. Ah, hmm. That's an interesting one because, 
you know, what I was suggesting was actually looking for a for a recognized problem, solving a known pain point, because if you solve somebody's. Well, yeah, I think that's. Yeah, you're being too obvious there. It's boring. No, I'm talking about get past the get past the elementary one course. All right. All right. Fine. 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 But yeah. So. 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 So picking that thing, you you show immediate value, which is going to get you more um more juice to to continue with it and um it's also does it it gets feedback it's 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 it's, okay you're getting feedback from people okay you're doing this well what i really also want to know like that piece of information is useful but i really want to know is this and okay then you add that little piece on and now we're into what you're talking about with that little bit of overlap by doing those little individual pieces you are you whatever you build is focused on yeah. actual needs and it's not you it just is. pulling crap together because you can have these these multi-scroll windows well, yeah, that show you all we talked about stuff. that a, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago like like going over why you want an mvp because you don't know everything that you need yet and you want your course corrections to be early and often that there's a lot of wisdom in that yeah i think um it's the other one of the most frustrating and i didn't realize this right away uh i was a few years into my career before i started to see this um the 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 most frustrating but a good sign to hear is great but does it so i just spent let's just let's just go into an alternate reality here i just spent a month getting this grafana loki alert manager c advisor nose exporter prom tail all this kind of stuff set up and i you know it does a thing and it lets you know if the server's down and it does that really well because mm-hmm. i went slow which was smooth which was fast and 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 i'm actually generating legitimate alerts when it matters and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then i show this to the broader team and they say great but what about disk threshold can we know before we exhaust one or that, well, that's awesome, but but how do we know we still have users coming into the site, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That is actually some of the highest praise you can get, and it's really easy to miss uh-huh. because they've they see the value, they see what you've done, they appreciate it, they want more. Now there, you don't have to push them into adoption of this; mm-hmm. they're going to pull you, mm-hmm. which is an awesome spot to be. Yeah, they see the value, and now they're now they're just they've recognized it, and now they're just ex- yeah. extracting more from you. And they're like you said, they're pulling you along. That's yeah. that's the win. That for yeah. sure is the win. And it's it's validation that to your point, it's validation that, yeah, you're solving the business need. And now they're in a position. They'll pull you where they need you to go. And you don't get here's And here's what I was getting at is to tie this up. You don't get that off the bat if you especially with this logging monitoring stuff, if you. If you go ham, over-engineer the crap if you, out if of you it. over-engineer yeah. and you go ham with all of the different reporting options, you end up throwing decision paralysis at them. There's so much information that they can't focus. Your audience can't focus. Whereas if instead you go with just a metric, it's very easy for them to, to jump from that metric to whatever is the next most important thing for them or the thing that's more important than what you describe. So it almost doesn't matter in a sense, it doesn't matter what you pick as long as you're you're trying to land in the ballpark. And if you land in the ballpark, and you'll get feedback that'll steer you in the right direction. And again, I'm speaking from experience here, building reports for an executive team. I started out with a lot of information. I was trying to show a lot of different things. And I got feedback, but it took me a longer time than it would have if I had started with just one chart, you know, one or two metrics, you know, 
a single X, Y axis. And like, this is what I'm tracking. How does this look? Okay, good. What about X? Like you're saying, and then adding that. Instead, I went kind of ham and I had a lot of information. And over time, I gleaned from the conversation what was actually important. And so I steadily boiled it back down, but that was woefully inefficient. So, you know, just speaking from a mistake that I made. And now you've got, and now you've got a bunch of additional dependencies and load Uh and potentially, potentially like things that Things that are you not have necessarily to do or maintain that are yeah your, you got a you got a maintenance headache. yeah you have you have now ten units of maintenance burden and the business only cares about like two units of that output so yeah, you just you make life difficult for yourself yeah yeah for sure that's absolutely right well that's really cool I'm glad you're I'm glad you're having you're having fun with it I hope the uh, yeah. I hope the organization recognizes and appreciates the value are you do you guys already have a a, an alerting system in place i would imagine not yeah no we do we do we have we have a bunch of stuff in place um and it's you know we're we're enterprise so some of it's a little fractured right so we don't not everybody has visibility into all the pieces or ownership in all the pieces or um you know we don't necessarily have buy-in for everybody on all the pieces and so a lot of the data we have a lot of data and we just haven't done a great job at utilizing it um and we do you know and that's and that's certainly so you 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 emphasized alerting and i think that's very important but i actually have three um i actually have three specific goals with this one is alerting okay um one is also uh exploration right real-time exploratory just watching you know having a having a tv on the wall of the sock that shows the things Mm -hmm. and if bars start going from green to orange to red we can respond preemptively um and then the third thing is sort of that nobody likes to talk about it's not that sexy but sort of that weekly or monthly or quarterly reporting function um Mm -hmm. where you're doing prospective and retrospective analysis can help you do capacity planning and and things like that um this trick for me is because we've got such a high volume of data uh, even if even if we limit it right to the things we actually care about, which is very much part of the plan, uh, we've got such a large environment that, and we have a seasonal business, so it doesn't super matter to me what happens in September versus October. What really matters is what's happening in September versus last September. So in order to really get some good, like a good lock on that stuff. I've got to have like, I'm thinking in my mind, probably 36 months of archive in order to really see progression over time. Um, and so like at, at, at real production deployment scale, even your basic metrics and signals like that's, that adds up into a, into a warehousing problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, Those it's are fun. Good uses. I'm getting, I'm, yeah, I kind of got to, you know, crack my knuckles and break out Vim over a terminal and get into some trouble. And uh, Oh, man, you just pissed off half the audience because you chose Vim over Emacs. I did. How dare and, you? Okay, let's just, we'll have it out right now. Vim spaces. Done. <laughs> now I'm down to a quarter. Now that now a quarter of people still like me. Well, I mean, I, I, it would be, it'll be even less for me because I honestly hate both. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm. I know I'm really probably putting myself in an. I, I've always been an odd duck when it came to the back to the technical stuff. Oh my gosh! I'm not a proper touch typist. I never have been. Uh, I taught myself coding. I went to school for basically communications and ended up doing all my programming self-taught later. 
Um, I learned <laughs> I learned the Linux environment first by navigating it through Webmin, and then eventually took off the training wheels and started doing everything via the command line, like mm-hmm. a like a real boy, and mm-hmm. uh, and doing it that way. Uh, but to this day, that like I, I know there are developers that code full time in in text based code editors and vim and emacs yeah. included yeah. and i just can't even f- I, ugh, ugh. yeah well i, I have it i have a, it i have it uh i have a positive uplifting respectful view of our audience and i assume that oh, they're all doing something in the linux world and not windows right so that's where the one quarter like, again probably I think you're like one sixteenth in reality I'm, I'm not sure i like where this is I saw going this. it was great it, it had to be a year ago now uh, it was like early pandemic <laughs> It was like this infograph uh, that was and it was uh, it was two people like silhouette style cartoon. Mm-hmm. And it was it, the top of it was two people facing each other um, with no masks on. And the one the guy on the left is like there's like particulates coming out of like I know coughing, what you're talking you know? I know what this one is. And, yeah. And it said further, like, further you know, away uh, with 80 percent, 80 percent risk of transmission. And the next one down the the guy. The one guy has a mask and the guy who's coughing doesn't. And it was like, oh, 60% risk. And then they both have masks and it's a lower percentage. And then and then the last frame was the one guy <laughs> saying something like, uh, well, you know, the thing you refer to as Linux is actually GNU slash Linux, or as I've recently begun referring to it. And then the other guy is, is now talking the away. other direction, walking away. <laughs> it was like 0% risk of transmission. 0% risk. Just, yeah, just talk about your Linux flavor or, you know, the, the, the branching tree of, of Linux historicals and, and, and all the forks and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah that'll and guaranteed, uh, guaranteed showstopper. For, for any actually, transmission. Or as I've begun calling it, GNU with Linux as the open source. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've never, I, I mean, I always, I, I, I've, I, I don't know. I just like my, I like my GUI based editor. Sublime text is, is my, is my jam. Sublime text is yeah. my jam and not IDEs. I can't stand IDEs. So another thing, so I had I had some uh, some change ups on my team recently, and I've been getting back into I guess it's Visual Studio 19 Pro, okay. I guess, because um, I got to get hands on keys with some stuff for a while. And that's not a bad experience. I hate IDEs. I hate them with the fiery passion of a thousand dying stars. And but, I know that, that that'll split the audience too. people love them. But oh, I, 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 cannot, I hate them. I can't, can't stand them. I, I stop trying I, to I'd do rather, everything for me. Just get out of my way. That's how I feel. I'd rather I'd rather get shivved with a sharpened plastic spoon than have to work out of an IDE the rest of my life. I remember um, trying but, a clip. I remember trying to clip. But the if first you're going to work with an IDE, Visual Studio, Visual program, to go. I mean, it's yeah. just it's a, sure. it's a really nice experience. Um, uh, and it, it was, it, I was surprised at how quick the muscle memory came because that was my first, my very first editor and compiler way back in the day was some early build of Visual Studio for C++. Yeah. Um, Visual Studio is good stuff. To, it fits that. I mean, yeah. that's that's inside the Microsoft. That That's that's very much Microsoft wheelhouse. You've got this GUI based thing that, you know, where, where the UI and, and, and the visual elements of it are are highly important and, and drive and motivate a lot of the, the yeah. activity, you know, the way that you get little pop-ups and the, and the, you know, like the visual elements of that 
fundamentally contribute to, to the experience of using the tool. They've always been really good at that. I've always said Microsoft Office was, you know, it's the best thing that that Microsoft ever built. Office is freaking amazing. Office I mean, it really is, is a really, really good product. Yes, they stole it from, um, uh, what was it, WordPerfect? Corel? Corel WordPerfect? I'm trying to remember the pre, the, um, the one that they, because Microsoft does not have original thoughts. Did they rip off Corel or did they rip off Lotus Notes for uh, Word? It's, I thought it was Word Perfect that they- Was it Word Perfect? I think it was Word Perfect that they ripped off of. But in any any case, you know, Microsoft does not have original thoughts. You know, they just, you know, every every major evolution they've ever had has been- It is weird. Have you noticed this? I mean, it's not like it's some unique perspective. I think it's being openly recognized. But this weird shift the last, I would say it goes back at least- probably 10 years about now. Okay. Where Google and Microsoft have swapped places. Uh, in some respects they have. Yeah. I have, yeah. I have noticed that. It's wild where, to think about where that. Google, where Google does a thing and they are just stealing an idea from someone else because, well, you'll and use then they it because it's Google. It poorly. And then yeah. they execute it poorly. They execute it poorly and then they throw it away three years My later. My company is doing a, a migration from Google chat to Slack. Uh, and nah. part of the reason is because Google Chat is just butt. It's it's just a poorly implemented product, and Slack is, I mean, functionally far and away better. Now the thing is, also like old school Microsoft, eventually they'll get to a point where it will be comparable. I'm sure they will. Uh, if it will, the one place where Google and Microsoft uh, differ is is the Google graveyard. Microsoft like makes bets and then just just rides them until they're until they're profitable. Google, if it look even smells like it, if they even catch a whiff that it won't go anywhere, that thing is out the door. No, I think I think the difference Microsoft, they it's it's got to be profitable when it launches because that's sort of the corporate culture. They have to have a revenue plan and they usually get some revenue out of it initially, but then that sort of dwindles and they kill it. Google, they don't care about making money up front because everybody assumes they're going to make it on the back end harvesting data. And mm-hmm. so they just run it at a loss. And then at some point, like 36 months later, somebody realizes that, oh, we actually can't really make money with this. And then so and then the Reaper comes along with the scythe and, and <laughs> hacks it all. There's Google Reader, you know, which now they've introduced back into Chrome as like a, a Chrome. Yeah, they're trying to actually thing. they're trying to resurrect RSS. I don't think I don't think anybody's going to buy into this. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think the, I was think the Internet's memory. The internet's memory is just a little too long, long. for that. Yeah, they, they're not going to. But it's a, it really they never should have killed Reader. Reader was was an excellent. Uh-huh. Um, and then FeedBurner, which they bought, and it's sort of attached to Reader. You know, they got rid mm-hmm. of FeedBurner. That was a. I think that was a mistake too, because that was a big way that FeedBurner. Uh, that was just like an RSS. Aggregator, it was an RSS right? like hosting aggregator. Service. Yeah, you would use yeah. that for your blog, and it would mm-hmm. you could track subscriptions and things. It was a great little, it was a great little service. I do think that the, the, the death of RSS, mostly at the hands of Google was very detrimental to blogs. And now they are even more beholden to search engine optimization than they were previously. Um, it's, it's, it's hard. It's much harder to say. There is, do you hear this little spring sound that keeps happening? Spring sound. Oh, do you hear a spring yeah. sound? Uh, yeah, oh, it was like a little be, boing. Yeah, I think I know what that is. Let me see. Yep, you just heard there it again. Was. It's, yep. <laughs> it's my messenger. You got, the, do you got your desktop I piped have, into the? I have a, yeah. I have a desktop piped in here. I got to figure out which, yeah, which one is using this. 
<laughs> now it's funny because it's happened like three times in yeah, a row. Yeah. Uh, now the question. All right. So I uh, let me let me turn it off. Okay, so it won't happen again. I'll, I'll change the audio settings. But now, now we're talking about: Do I leave the boings in there for the show? Do you, should I leave yeah, them in is there? This, I think you should. I think I now, should leave them in know. there. Should I leave in you stepping all over our show logo at the beginning too? I don't know. Oh my gosh! I f- <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll I almost. I'll edit you out. I'll edit you out. Nobody wants to hear yeah. more of you anyway. But we'll leave the we'll leave the little Amen. boings in there. That's that's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was my that was my actually speaking of Slack. Well, hello, little friend. It was my Slack notifier in the in the background, mm-hmm. and I, and because I had we started the show late because I was doing I was having audio issues, and so I I, I had been repiping things through different drivers. While I figured mm. out what the heck was wrong, and so that's a okay. that's a mis misallocated uh, sound source that I have to uh, gotcha. have to remedy. Normally, I have that stuff just dumped into a hole so that it doesn't get recorded, but that one actually mm-hmm. got caught and transmitted. <laughs> gotcha. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, I was saying how it's it's. I was lamenting as as a as a consumer of information, it's much harder today to. Uh, I think. I mean, tell me if you disagree, but I think it's harder for people to keep track of sources that they want to follow actively. You know, a tool like Reader was great. Show I want to know when such and such site updates who its is, information. Who is people? So if if your assertion is it's harder for people, who is Read, people? Readers. I mean, this is like just normies or Joe Q public. Yeah, yeah, it could be normies. Mm. Yeah, like. Like I want to keep trying. I mean, because this is a this is a universal problem. I think, you know, I don't know that. Like, like Google Reader was not the first RSS aggregator. No, but, and they, there but they killed. They basically a dominate. thousand of them. Yeah. Well, like I, I have the same workflow I've had for fifteen years. It's just now my OPML lives in Nextcloud, and I have the RSS plugin for Nextcloud that does the same thing yeah well that's definitely and, and not every, a normie situation that's and it, for sure it's still it's still the case that you go to a blog there's a subscribe link somewhere that hasn't changed it's still the case uh podcasts a same underlying technology i mean everything like my, po- you know, my blog you, doesn't have a subscribe link i mean podcasts yeah. i get podcasts have a subscribe link because you you actually attach that to your to your podcast uh you know uh you know your listener you know itunes or you know whatever i'm looking you use at your website right now and there is an rss link in the header what do yeah, you mean you don't have a subscribe yeah, i know there's a yes yes there's an rss link most people are not directly utilizing rss now but my point is my point is go back to the heyday of reader your site would have looked no different Mm, I would make that I would make that that subscribe link more obnoxious. I would have made that that subscribe link bigger um, rather than it just simply being a small link in there. Honestly, it's there because I know that the um, some of the search engines consume it. It's part of the reason why it's there. Oh, well, that's why you have a site map. Well, right. You do. Yes. Yes. You do have a site map. I, I, I know. But it's. I like the little headphone logo you have for the podcast. Though. Yeah, that's a nice, I, I need that's to make nice it. A, yeah, it's not bad. I need to make it a little more overt. I'm not. I'm not totally happy with it. I want like a. I, I, I like I want, the subtlety. Yeah, it's. A, I think it's a little too subtle. I. I, I want something. Yeah. It doesn't. I, I'm not looking for something a little more loud and obnoxious that fits your personality. <laughs> no, it makes sense. You got to make it you, man. That is your corner of the internet. It has to represent Frank. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
I'm not looking for flashing lights. I don't need the under construction sign. You know, you know, I still tell people I still sometimes have the temptation to tell people, well, quite crisply. And then I realize you don't work here anymore. And that joke falls flat. And so just don't care. That's right. Uh, I do have one one of my one of my engineer managers actually does likes to say, quite frankly, and Mm -hmm. when she catches herself doing it and I'm in the room, she makes a joke out of it. It's it's pretty funny. Every time she does it, it reminds me of you. Um. In the worst possible way of, right. of, of course. So, uh, all right. So let's see what else is going on here. It's a Friday. Um, here's something interesting that I've been thinking about. I don't know if I have anywhere to go with it yet, but it is something that I have noticed now. Um, pretty consistently uh do you know did what, you ever see this did you ever notice you, have you seen this thing yeah okay uh so have you heard of uh dunning kruger syndrome do you know what that is oh my gosh i'm sick of hearing about Uh-oh. dunning kruger oh you've Uh-oh. heard about this Uh-oh. in the same vi- no because here's well, the, here's here's the, the yeah, what's your context this sounds interesting actually Probably my more interesting issue than mine. is this the same bandwagoning why it, the same reason that everybody's all of a sudden talking about the ship of Theseus now all of us, because it was in the Avengers right yeah, six yeah, months ago yeah it was in the, there was the, right in the there was one thing yeah. like it may have been now eighteen months or two years ago I forget it's recent memory last couple of years uh, I forget where it came from but somebody said Dunning Kruger and then all of a sudden everybody's everybody's Gaga everybody's got mm-hmm. a hard on for Dunning Kruger effect and calling it out and talking about it really. Oh, okay. I oh my gosh! It's I, every, now that now that you've heard it, now that now we've talked about it, you it. are going to hear it everywhere. It okay, so I did yeah. not. So n- it I, will infest your living consciousness at this point. <laughs> like, like if I say you you really don't see that many red pickup trucks anymore. This is the road is going to be chock full of red pickup trucks from now on. Don't think about pink elephants. Don't think about <laughs> pink elephants. That's that's basically what you're doing. All right. Um, by the way, did you did you watch Loki? Did you watch no, Loki we yet? haven't. We haven't. We'll probably watch it tonight. We haven't got okay. a chance to it All yet. Right. Well, we'll we'll follow up next week then. Um, next I've heard no spoilers. spoilers. I've no heard spoilers. it's good. A little bit of a slow starter, but I've heard it's 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 good. I, and yeah, I think it's, they're only doing six episodes. Of I this? have no idea how many episodes. The, it, the first episode was an hour long, though. So yeah, um, you know, if you, you well know. with these Marvel ones, they're consistent. Like it's not like you have a double feature for the opener. I don't yeah, think. Yeah. So it has been. An, it was no. an hour long, and I don't. I mean, how many episodes was? Um, WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I forget how many. I think they were about eight each, eight or ten each. Now now I kind of want to. I could look. I could look it up if I weren't lazy. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like we it's not like we're attached to uh, (laughs) not a a huge fan of being not lazy, though. (laughs) It's a shame we're not attached to a device that has the world's (laughs) unlimited knowledge. It's a shame. All of the information, and what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? Nothing is the answer. The answer is cat videos. (laughs) The cat in the shark costume riding the Roomba. Hello. (laughs) All right. So there were there were nine episodes of Wandavision, and they were all actually they varied in length quite a bit. The first couple were a half hour. And then they actually got longer. Well, season finale was fifty minutes. Falcon and Winter Soldier. There were six. So there were six in that, and, and I they think, were I all think that's an what hour. He's going to have yeah. as well. Yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They were all rough fifty minutes plus. So, yeah. and and I think Falcon felt felt good. It felt meaty, substantial storytelling. It was. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed mixed. it. I, WandaVision 
WandaVision started so slow. Those first it two, started three episodes. super slow. Yeah, I, They did. almost lost me. They and then did, Falcon yeah. and Winter Soldier, it started all right. And then it got too, like, meandering. They almost lost me at the end. Well, so I, Falcon and the Winter I'm Soldier. Not, I don't have high hopes, but I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, but I don't have high hopes. I don't know if that makes sense. Falcon Winter Soldier lost me in the middle a little bit. I felt, I felt bored in the middle. Excited at the mm-hmm. beginning, excited at the end, bored in the middle. Wanda, yeah. bored in the middle. And as soon as we started actually breaking out of the um out of the out of the TV the decade, reality yeah. thing, as soon as that, as soon as we actually started crossing into the real room and tying it back, it went, okay, now now this is more interesting. Now this is good. Um yeah. but I I was I mean, Loki was good. We'll we'll save conversation mm-hmm. for 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 next we week. Will. But anyway, so Dunning Kruger, no, I have not, I don't know what it was that uh that's I actually came at this in a roundabout way. Um, I uh, so so Dunning Kruger. For those who haven't read whatever it is that Chris was talking yeah, about, is the notion that um, uh, people who think they are they're convinced they're actually very very smart are actually quite intellectually stupid. I mean, that's the well. That's that's I think that's a missimplification. I would I would say that it. It is likely the people that know least about a subject. Uh, There is a negative correlation between your knowledge about a subject and your confidence in how much you know about it. So and the idea is this. If you don't know anything, you have a very simplistic view of the topic. And so with a very simplistic worldview, you can have a really simple opinion and feel very strongly about it. You start to learn more about a thing and you realize that it's not that easy. And your confidence in anything goes down because you recognize that it's a little bigger than you thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So and my- then at the tail end, like your experts, like the confidence, if you graph it, there's like a big hump in the middle where somebody that knows very little is very confident. And then that drops off pretty quickly and then levels and then kind of at the end on the far right side of the graph where the actual experts live then the confidence level starts to go back up again right right so so yeah my, i guess my description tongue-in-cheek wasn't wasn't very good but hypothetical it, it's a cognitive bias that people with low ability at a task overestimating their ability in said task which is you know the short version of what you just described yeah. okay so I tied that in with um, with imposter syndrome, which is, I think, on the other side of that hypothetical curve that you actually just described. You know, imposter syndrome is I don't know anything about this. I feel like an imposter. You know, I'm I'm you know, I don't know why anyone believes me when I say anything, because, you know, I'm clearly just faking it. You know, it's when you doubt your own skill or talent you know yeah. you you're you consider you you fear yourself being exposed as a fraud even though even though you have all these bona fides that support your your knowledge and and skill yeah imposter syndrome you you have a you have an unfairly low opinion of your own ability that's a good way of putting it yeah yeah, yeah. It's, yeah <clears throat> despite external evidence that says no you really know what you're doing you feel like you don't know what you're doing. And so you actually talked about the confidence curve. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the imposter syndrome is actually on the other side of that confidence curve where, you know, as you gain more knowledge, you, you start to recognize, you know, one of my teachers in, in school always said, the more, you know, the more you, the more you don't know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's where a lot of imposter syndrome comes from because you, you do, you're gaining knowledge and you know what you, 
you know a lot that you know a lot of stuff and in broadening your own knowledge you become aware of the limits of your own knowledge but your horizon line has gone out further and so you yeah. know that there's more information out there beyond what you have that's what that it's you, simple trig for every you know 60 feet you go in the air you can see another mile farther and there's that disproportionate kind of scope of awareness yeah, that's a good way. Yeah. I, that's a that's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. And so, uh, you know, this is it's it's something to it's something to watch out for uh, for for with with your with your engineers. Um, I've used it to successfully identify strong candidates and weak candidates. You know, this this the the interplay between these two concepts. So how would you how okay, so now you got to we got to dive into that. How would okay. you use that in an interview? Well, I wouldn't actually use it in an interview. It's not something that I actually, you know, ask about. I, you know, I don't say, "Do you have do you suffer from Dunning-Kruger?" That's that's on not, a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> on a scale of 1 to on a, on a 1 to of uh, scale from 1 to to brick. How dumb are you? You know, like that's not <laughs> That's that's not, that's not, that's not Frank, what I'm, I'm at about a six point seven. How about you? <laughs> Concrete cinder block. <laughs> no, that's not. That's not my point. My my point is you. It, it, it's if you're aware of being aware of the of the of these things that can happen. Can it it, it can help inform you when you're when you're talking to uh, potential candidates about whether or not they are. Um actually well-versed in what they do. A person who is actually showing lack of confidence could actually be, you know, like lightweight imposter syndrome. And then somebody who's showing supreme confidence. Or they could be a moron. Or they could be a, right. I mean, it is, yes, all of these things are possible. I'm just simply saying that these are good. I'm just hassling you, man. I, I know, know you say. are. I know you are. It's just good tools to, it's just no, good so tools is, so to that's have something in the tool you don't, belt, I guess. So you're, so you're not actively trying to, to figure out where the candidate may be with these fallacies, you're simply saying you're simply recognizing that they exist mm -hmm. and trying to use those as one plausible explanation for your observations throughout the interview process. Right, right. That's, okay. That's it. That's I would a, say that is I uh, I don't know that I want to go down this path, to be honest, mean? but th like that's fairly that's a fairly mature thought process. Okay. Like, you know, what, do you, what do you mean? I'm not, I'm not tracking what your, like what, what your concern is or, you know, where you're going with this. What do you, what do you mean? Well, I don't want you to get even more of a swelled head, but like, I, I think that's a really respectable thing to keep top of mind that, oh, you know, they, they seem really, you know, nervous or whatever. And, and maybe it's interview jitters or maybe they don't know what they're talking about, but that third item that, you know, maybe they just recognize that there's so much more to learn that they're being unfair to themselves. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, and I've, I've seen no. it happen. I mean, that's, I, I have, I have interviewed, I, I had, the reason I thought of this, I just had an interview for, for a candidate in a role. Mm -hmm. um, and they were very, very deferential on their skills, on what they knew and what they were confident and capable of. They asked a mm -hmm. lot of questions and they sounded very, um, they sounded unsure in how they were expressing themselves. They sounded unsure. But at the same time, the way that they answered my questions and the types of questions that they were asking me 
about the role, the company and the responsibility all pointed in the other direction. And so I had this I had this very dichotomous assessment. And so I had to take a step back and, you know, assessing how they're actually responding to my questions, looking at the resume. And it it was very clear that the person not necessarily full on imposter syndrome, but maybe not expressing as much confidence as they could or should have. And that in turn was useful information for me. Now, there's, you know, the downside of this is, you know, you need somebody who's confident, you know, going into a, you know, certain situations, especially this was a consulting position or a position with a consulting element to it. And so, you know, being in front of a client, you know, you need that confidence. And so that's a, that's a risk, but, you know, hiring candidates is like buying a house. You know, there is no perfect, there's no perfect candidate. You know, they're, 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 skill levels are each across various spectrums from strong to weak. And so it's just something to be aware of. Um, so it could be a risk, but, you know, overall, you know, I was, I was seeing two pictures and it just, I remembered my study of the, of the imposter syndrome stuff and, and Dunning-Kruger and, mm-hmm. and made me think, oh, maybe this person is actually really, really good. And they're just doubtful of themselves. And that seems to have been the, the case based on feedback that others gave me who also interviewed um, this individual. So it was just, like I said, it was just kind of top of mind and, and highly relevant, uh, especially given, you know, that we deal with a lot of um, technically technical experts in their fields. Um, my, my wife's a veterinarian, super, honestly, the smartest woman I've ever met. My wife is so, so smart. Um, she doesn't listen. I, I know she doesn't. <laughs> That's why I'm saying this, because if she listened to this, she'd be mad that there's I was a, saying this. There's, a, there's an episode of The Office, and it's like late. I think it's one of the later seasons of The Office where, it, like, Michael, the boss, is having some aside about the, the woman that used to be a secretary, Pam. And, and he goes, and I would never tell her this, but she's the most wonderful woman in the world and a very gifted artist. And the other person's like, why would you not say that to her face? <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's very much like that. My wife is 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 really super duper smart. Um, she got into vet school on the first try, which for anyone who's done vet school knows that that's not always the case. She graduated at the top of her class. Like she's really really smart. And um, we have over the years, you know, dealt with confidence, like what wor- worries about about confidence and the ability to do the job. And I, as the as the bystander, go, are you freaking kidding me? You just ran circles around your boss who has owned that pra- practice for how many years? You know, it's, it's just stuff like yeah. that would happen and it would be, you know, so it was just it was totally obvious to me. So, you know, anyway, it's 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 common. My point in in in, in u- using my wife as a foil here is it's common a lot in highly educated technical mm-hmm. fields and engineers definitely fall into that into that camp. One, if you're and if you're like an overthinker, then you wind up in this trap, which, you know, I don't have any answers for. But the trap is like, all right, I'm not I I don't feel like I'm bringing it with confidence here. Is it you know, is it is it just humility or is it some kind of like uh, uh, we're talking about? I forget that it's not Dunning-Kruger. The other one we're talking about. Imposter thing. Imposter Imposter syndrome. Thank you. My gosh, it left my head. That so is is it like is is it just a thing of humility? Is it the imposter syndrome, 
or do I actually not know enough about this? Right. And you start yeah. cycling on that and, uh, you know, it spirals. You can, you can, yeah, you can you can you can psych yourself out if you're not um, if yeah. you're not careful. But I, honestly, the the higher you go in your in your knowledge base, I think it becomes easier and easier for you to recognize the truth. Tell the difference. You can tell yeah. the difference between the limits of your the limits of your knowledge, I think, yeah. over time. So, yeah. 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 So if you've ever uh, you've ever experienced the imposter syndrome, you want to tell us about it. Feedback at refactor.work is where you would do that. You can send us an email or you can, uh, you know, use your little voice recorder on your little your little smartphone over there and, yeah, little, uh, yeah, and email that to us. Thing. Yeah, you know, oh, your, adorable thing, your cute little thing, thing over there, your adorable little, little thing. thing. Yeah. You do that. Yeah, sure. And you shoot that over at feedback at refactor.work. We'll be sure to make fun of you. Uh, full show notes, archives, uh, recommendations, and so forth at refactor.work. You can find more of my ramblings on the internet at chris.tonkinson.com. And my colleague here is at hot, uh, www.hotcoals.com. This has been episode 28 of the Refactored Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.